This is Jay Sekulow. Takeaways from the New Hampshire primary and what it means for the presidential election. Live from Washington, D.C., Jay Sekulow Live. The first in the nation primary is officially in the books as Bernie Sanders pulls a narrow victory over Pete Buttigieg. Our campaign is not just about beating Trump. It is about transforming this country. Phone lines are open for your questions right now. Call 1-800-684-3110. Thanks to you, a campaign that some said shouldn't be here at all has shown that we are here to stay. What we've been is steady, we've been strong, and we've never quit. The fight we're in, the fight to save our democracy, is an uphill battle. But our campaign is built for the long haul. Just heard from the first two of 50 states. Two of them. Not all the nation. Now where I come from, that's the opening bell. Not the closing bell. And now, Chief Counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice, Jay Sekulow. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Well, the results are in, and a bit surprising in some context. We're going to go through a full analysis of what happened in Iowa. But let me start with something that's not being reported. Uh, President Trump received uh, 120,476 votes. Now, that is, just so you know, that is the highest for an incumbent that we have recorded ever. And I've got a graphic up on the screen right now. President Obama, when he ran for re-election, had 49,000 come out uh, for his two, in 2004 for Bush. It was 53,000, almost 54,000. And in 1996, it was 77,000 for uh, Bill Clinton. So Donald Trump almost doubled <coughs> Bill Clinton's number, which was the highest number, almost doubled it. And I think that tells you something about what's really going on here. I mean, this is this is... It was a big turnout, though. I mean, it was a historic turnout. It beat 2016, so um, it was a a very large turnout. I think the biggest takeaway, and I'll get everybody's view on this, is how close it is between Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg. Let me go to Than for uh, some updates on that one. What's your thought, Than? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Senator Klobuchar probably made the biggest move up. Jay and Mayor Buttigieg probably the next biggest. But I, I got to tell you, if I can be one candidate right now, I want to be the guy that won the most votes in the first two states and also holds a national lead, and that's Senator Sanders. I think he's the clear favorite right now. He's consolidated sort of the socialist vote from Elizabeth Warren, and she's on her way out. Uh, but look, Mayor Pete, Jay, he has the most delegates right now. He has one more pledged delegate than does Senator Sanders, even though he's won the most votes in the two states. Uh, so look, he, he uh, Mayor, Mayor Pete, Senator Klobuchar, and Mayor Bloomberg are now competing for that Biden vote. And Jay, the former vice president, and Senator Warren, they're both in big trouble. That yeah, nomination I, I, is slipping I, we're, away we're from them. We're going to talk about that one. But you know, interestingly, uh, Blue, Mike Bloomberg has rested his entire campaign, Harry, on Super Tuesday. The <laughs> whole campaign. He has, and I think he has the economic resources, financial resources, to do that. He's taking a big gamble, uh, but the size of the gamble has been lessened substantially because he's prepared to spend, I'm told, up to $2 billion of his own money. He is worth $61 billion, uh, and so he can stay in this campaign as long as he wants because he's essentially self-funded. He doesn't depend on donors. And apparently the Democratic leadership is prepared to change the rules for purposes of the debates so that he can actually appear on stage. 
And if I were advising uh, Mike Bloomberg, I would turn down the offer to appear on stage because I think he's much more effective uh, in his uh, televised appearances or his, his advertisements than he would be live. But that's just a guess. All right. We'll talk more about this. We're going to get into analysis. Andrew Yang also pulled out of the race. It's interesting there. I mean, I, I know he's very attractive to a lot of um, millennial age folks, maybe even a little bit older. He had some creative ideas, especially on some of the business automation issues. Um, he made a statement, and it's not that he was pro-life, but he made a statement where he called abortion something like a tragedy or tragic, which was enough to have him like completely, you know, run almost run out of the Democratic Party. Uh, he he bowed out gracefully. Uh, I thought Elizabeth Warren, it sounded like she was going to last night. She ended up not doing it. But um, So uh, Yang is out. Where that vote goes, it's not going to matter much at this point because of what's going to happen now is you're going to go to Nevada, South Carolina, and then Super Tuesday. So it'll get dispersed. We'll be back with more in a moment. The challenges facing Americans are substantial at a time when our values, our freedoms, our constitutional rights are under attack. It's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. ACLJ.org. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org slash gift. broadcast if you're watching on facebook and periscope we encourage you to share it with your friends we'll give you some analysis it's an interesting piece in the hill it talked about the five main takeaways so here's what they said sanders is the front runner uh debates matter that's because amy klobuchar who is in single digits uh initially and then low second uh, low double digits came out number three with higher um almost 20 percent then you had uh the centrists are are going after each other that is Buttigieg, klobuchar and biden combined for more than 50%, which is actually interesting because that, that tells you something right there. And then Biden and Warren had terrible nights. I want to go to Andy on this and talk to Than as well. Uh, the centrists together, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, and Biden would have had 50%, which tells you the, that 
there is an ideological divide within the Democratic Party that is basically 50-50. That's right, Jay. I think what the Democratic Party is doing is to try to find somebody to coalesce around other than Bernie Sanders, if that is at all possible. And I'm talking about the Democratic Party establishment. And there, and if you, as you just did, you counted the votes among those three, that, that essentially equals what Sanders got. But uh, there's still not anybody who is standing out uh, to me, in my opinion, nationally, that is going to attract the base of the Democratic Party moderates and centrists uh, to get the nomination at this point. Bloomberg, uh, as gaffes yesterday in his, his, his history, which came out about uh, racial profiling and slamming kids against the wall, that's not going to play well with the Democrats. How do you think uh, – I'll go. let me go with Than, and then I want to get uh, Harry to comment on this. So Mike Bloomberg has one thing in his favor – He'll spend up to $2 billion. That's a lot of money. Yeah, money, Jay. He, the, I would say maybe one other thing. He has the element of surprise on Super Tuesday. He's going to be basically non-existent in these first four states. He probably won't win a single state, maybe even not a single delegate, until Super Tuesday. So by the time people hear about the things that Andy's talking about and maybe his lack of support among the African-American community potentially, Jay, I mean, it might be too late. He might be the other option to Senator Sanders because he might sweep up delegates on Super Tuesday. But I don't, I don't think there's any question but that you are correct about these two lanes, Jay. Senator Sanders has now coalesced that socialist wing. And the question is, who will and how long will it take to coalesce the other side? You know the two candidates right now are Mayor Buttigieg and Senator Klobuchar. Mayor Bloomberg is trying to be a third. But eventually, Jay, they got to get down that, that down to one. Otherwise, Senator Sanders is your nominee. Well, Senator Sanders doesn't do very well, Harry, in California. At least that's what the polling indicates. So Bloomberg's going to have some trouble out there. What do you think of the Bloomberg candidacy generally? I mean, is he just is going to be fraught with? Can you and basically the question is, can you buy your way into the into the uh, to be the Democratic nominee or any nominee for any party for that matter? Can you buy your way in? I think that is the question, but I also think a, a central question um, against that particular query is whether or not uh, the other candidates in the race will actually marshal some of their resources to expose Bloomberg's record to the voters uh, in the Super Tuesday states before the actual vote takes place. Now, some of the other candidates have their own problems. And I suspect increasingly that, for instance, Joe Biden's candidacy, which was grounded largely in a South Carolina strategy, that's going to blow up in his face. Now, he still could pull it off in South Carolina, uh, but increasingly uh, doubts are creeping into uh, uh, most analysts uh, with respect to his overall candidacy. I think Elizabeth Warren is largely toast, and her campaign to quote-unquote save democracy, I think, will fail. Um, and then yeah. one of the questions, though, that um, Buttigieg has is is he willing to spend any resources now going after Bloomberg because if he waits to go after Bloomberg until Super Tuesday uh, it may indeed be too late so I, I think all of the campaigns are going to have to engage uh, in a real careful calculus uh, going forward because uh, Mayor Bloomberg is indeed uh, the big uh, elephant in the room all right we're taking your calls at 800-684-3110 1-800-684-3110 here's what senator elizabeth warren said which i thought was almost going to be her concession speech uh it wasn't but this is what she said 
the fight we're in, the fight to save our democracy, is an uphill battle. But our campaign is built for the long haul. And we are just getting started. I, I think that's wishful thinking. Uh, I think you, you lost the neighboring state. You lost in Iowa. You came in a distant fourth. I mean, way back. I mean, was, wasn't, I don't know where she ended up. Was it 9,000, 10,000? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, no, she had 27,000. So she came up at 9.2%. Uh, Joe Biden came up at 24,000 with 8.4%. I think Tulsi Gabbard, who I also thought was interesting, Andrew Yang, collectively had about 6%. Now that's, it's interesting to me that Yang pulled out. Now, it may have been a money thing um, because he ha- he was kind of a different – he was a different face for the um, for the Democratic Party in the sense that he was really speaking to economic issues, future automation, I mean, artificial intelligence. I mean, things that are, bi- are big issues and big topics. What do you think – what failed there? Because I, I thought – Well, I, I think- thought he ran a – in the debates, he always seemed to do a good job. I tend to agree with you, and I think in a general election, Yang would actually do fairly well. One of the things that I think made Yang more attractive than some of the other candidates was that he did not focus his entire campaign on attacking President Trump. I know. In other words, he was open-minded enough to recognize that President Trump and his election represented the fact that in the Midwest, among working-class people, they had lost out in globalization. So if you look at, for instance, what might be called the Amazon economy or the Google economy, uh, that economy does not benefit every single American, and Yang was wise enough uh, to recognize that. So I think he was a common-sense candidate. Don't get me wrong. He had some kind of crazy ideas, giving everyone $1,000 a month, uh, et cetera. And in order to do that, of course, he has to raise taxes on the same people that are receiving $1,000 a month. Uh, But I thought among the Democrats, he was relatively sensible. Um, And so I think uh, in some respects, uh, the fact that he drops out uh, that is a real loss for the ability of the yeah. Democrats to actually have a fulsome debate about the issues right. which actually captivate uh, the American people, particularly middle Americans, as opposed to the elites that are on uh, the East and the West Coast who look down their nose uh, at people in what they call flyover country. You know, it's interesting to me because if you look at Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang, it comes out to... Just at six percent, which is not insignificant. Then, I mean, overall, now Gabbard hasn't said she's out yet, but effectively she's out. Um, I mean, she hasn't announced that she's out. She's been, pop- you know, when we've gotten calls if you were voting for a Democrat, who are you voting for? It was it was usually Yang or Gabbard. I mean, those were the two that people were were saying. Does that vote? Does it mean anything at that percentage point to go anywhere? Not really. Uh, sure, I think it does. Certainly, in particular states where maybe the the support is a little bit higher, and I think maybe particularly with Tulsi Gabbard, where you have a little bit more of an establishment Democrat vote there. Uh, look, with Andrew Yang, Jay, I, I think he just had a bigger hill to climb uh, than was possible. I mean, almost nobody knew about him from uh, when before this started, and I think he was probably the most likable personality up there. I, although I would suggest to you on economic policy, his proposals really weren't all that moderate. I think what you touched on, Jay, that he was moderate on. Maybe 
maybe a little bit more moderate on the issue of abortion or just open-minded on that, Jay, I think that was a deal killer. I mean, I think there's a reason why there's only two pro-life Democrats in the United States House right now. It's just a non-starter it's in that party right now. It's unreal to me that, you, you, that the, the, the entire Democratic Party has said, if you're pro-life, basically you're not welcome. And a guy that simply says, I think abortions are tragedies. Oh, that's the end of the world. I mean, as far as the Democrats are concerned. Now, here's the interesting, we've got just about a minute and a half here. If you're Joe Biden, Andy, and you're going into your neck of the woods in, in the South, right? he basically, his whole campaign hinges on South Carolina. Well, he does, and it's going to be a failure ultimately because, I mean, he says it's his firewall, but is it his wall at all? I think what he did was discourteous to his constituents in New Hampshire last night, He, but, but I can see the political strategy yeah. behind it. It's better to have a room full of people in Columbia, South Carolina, than have 10 people that he has that were volunteers and worked for him in New Hampshire. So they pulled him out of there and they put him in a room where it looked like he was engaged in a victory and he was in, you know, in South Carolina. But I don't think that's ultimately going to save him. What does he do after South Carolina? I mean, where does he go? Where does his money go? Where does where does well, where do know, his I think prospects? I think Danny, if, if after South Carolina, he he would hope to be in a fundraising juggernaut and the establishment would coalesce around him. That's what he's hoping. And he'd be able to really compete on Super Tuesday. That's what he was thinking. Yeah, it's his last chance, Jay. Let me tell you, this is the one chance that he has. Mayor Buttigieg's numbers in South Carolina, the average is 5.5%. And Senator Klobuchar, she's averaging 2%. So those who made a play play for coalescing, they're not registering in South Carolina yet at all. So there is a chance there. Who do you think it would be? Who do you think, quickly, then, top three in, in South Carolina? I would pick Senator Sanders, as unusual as that is. The only main other candidate you have is Tom Steyer registering. It's going to be tough. Yeah. All right. So that it'll be interesting. All right. We're taking your calls. 800-684-3110. What's your sense of the Democratic debate right now, the Democratic campaign? Talk to you. 1-800-684-3110. Don't forget, support the work of the ACLJ. You can do that at ACLJ.org. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org slash gift. The challenges facing Americans are substantial at a time when our values, our freedoms, our constitutional rights are under attack. It's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. 
The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. ACLJ.org. We're going to go right to the phones. We're taking your calls at 1-800-684-3110, 800-684-3110. Gene is calling from New Hampshire. So there Hi. you go. Gene, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you very much, and thank sure. you all for what you do. Thanks. I love listening to your program, thank and you. I'm thrilled to have it online now Great. that I can get it. Um, Great. So I'm in New Hampshire, voted yesterday, heard President Trump on Monday evening up here talk, talking about the fact, you know, if you're going to vote for somebody, vote for the weakest. You all mentioned that yesterday on your program as well. My thinking was, and my question is, how many people, possibly like myself, an independent, undeclared, um, actually took a Democrat ballot yesterday and voted for somebody that they just thought that this country would never vote in, such as a Bernie Sanders. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. So. Yeah, I don't know if it's actually that ever becomes. I think I think that's a, the strategy that's always out there, the crossovers. Andy's laughing. I, I don't know if it ever turns no, into real numbers. It, it, I don't think it does. I don't think it does at all either. Vote for the weakest candidate so that when I ultimately am on the ballot, I'm going to win. I don't think that ever works. And I think he may have been saying it halfway in jest, as he usually does in many ways. But I don't think that that's a strategy that ever really uh, pans out in the end. Yeah, I mean, it's been a strategy that's been around for a long time. I mean, people oh, yeah. have said it for, I mean, it's not just Donald Trump. I mean, people say it all the time. I don't know if it has any impact. All right, I want, I want to focus in on, on the, so we got two candidates now pulled out, uh, by the way. We just got an alert that um, Deval Patrick, who barely got 1,200.4, he's out. Michael Bennett's out. And Andrew Yang's out. Now, we talked about the Andrew Yang thing, and since we're an organization known for our pro-life stand, I want to play for you what Andrew Yang said, which took some guts to say it, by the way, at a choice event. It was called Choice, Our Rights, Our Choice event. This was on just back about a week, a couple of days ago, a week ago, less, on uh, February 8th. This is what he said about abortion. I think we have to get back to the point where no one is suggesting that we be celebrating an abortion at any point um, in the pregnancy that there was a time in democratic circles where we used to talk about it being something that like you don't like to see but that should be within the freedoms of, of the woman and the mother to decide what happened to that voice in the democratic party harry um it has basically been destroyed in part because there's no uh pathway to political viability for anyone who adopts a pro-life cause um, and in theory, uh, Senator Casey from Pennsylvania claims to be pro-life, but he often votes uh, for um, government funding of abortion, right. uh, has been very reticent to uh, offer a muscular defense of the pro-life cause. Um, and so it used to be the case that up to 50% of Democrats uh, in Congress supported uh, the pro-life cause, but they have gradually disappeared. Um, and instead, uh, virtually every one of them uh, support, strongly supports abortion, and most of them uh, support abortion on demand, including up to the moment of birth. So uh, there has been a stark, stark change in the Democratic yeah, Party. We have an interesting email that's going out today. If you're on our email list, you're getting it. If you're not on our email list, you really need to get it. 
And this is what it says. Planned Parenthood is setting aside, which we know is true, tens of millions of dollars from its record profits and exorbitant taxpayer funding uh, to defend, uh, to defeat a pro-life agenda. We know that. I mean, Than, you say, and I'm going to go through this, but you say whenever you're on the ground in Washington, every time there's a life issue at stake, Planned Parenthood is all over it. Their political wing is enormous, Jay, both their advocacy here and then also their political contributions uh, to candidates. And quite frankly, that's what informs the conversation you just had with Harry about why there can't be pro-life Democrats. It's because Planned Parenthood and the others have put so much uh, money into the politics of it. Jay, it's tragic for the cause of life, but it's also terrible strategy. This is not how you build a national coalition. But the last thing I would say on it, I said it earlier, but people need to hear this. It also happens to be the absolute truth. There are two pro-life Democrats in the United States House of Representatives, and they have a clear majority, Jay, and there are two pro-life Democrats. Yeah, interesting also, while the national abortion rate is at an all-time low, so right now, the national rate for abortions are at its all-time low, Planned Parenthood's abortion rates are at its all-time high. They're going to have 345,672. So as you know, we're in court against Planned Parenthood right now, going up to the Court of Appeals for the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. We're preparing that appeal right now on that case involving the uh, Center for Medical Progress and those uh, undercover videos. So all that's going on. Let me encourage you to support the work of the ACLJ. We're in court right now on Planned Parenthood. Your support makes a huge difference. ACLJ.org for that. All right, we're taking calls, 800-684-3110. We'll also take comments uh, from Facebook and Periscope. Interesting point. Um, I thought this one is really interesting. Bloomberg is almost, because I would say if you're Pete, Pete Buttigieg right now, Fan, if you're Pete Buttigieg, you're saying, I've had two good runs here. South Carolina, probably not so great. What do I do? Yeah, well, we're about to find out if he is anything beyond organization, Jay. He's essentially lived in Iowa and New Hampshire, and it worked very well. Congratulations to him. He leads the delegate count. But, Jay, he's still hurting very uh, badly nationally. He registers about 10% in the polls. He almost doesn't register at all within the African-American vote, which is a big problem in South Carolina. So we're about to find out if he has staying power. And I actually think, Jay, you asked the the right question in comparing him with, with Mayor Bloomberg. I don't know if Mayor Bloomberg has staying power, but, Jay, he might steal an awful lot of Mayor Buttigieg's uh, votes on Super Tuesday before voters ever see him up on the debate stage. So I, I do think that at some point yeah. Mayor Pete will probably have to target those voters if he's going to have long-term viability. Yeah, but I mean, I think Bloomberg has staying power. My oh, goodness, yeah. he has, go ahead, Andy, $200 million, oh, no, yeah, yeah, went, $2 billion. I, I, I have to take exception with that because, I mean, here's a man who's worth $51, 61000000000 billion. Believe me, he a has... A billion here, a billion there. A billion here, here, $10 billion here, $10 billion there. What's the big deal? But here, a man who's got that kind of resources who was kicked out of Salomon Brothers, uh, made his own empire, uh, was initially a Republican, wasn't he? Yes. And then he became an independent. Now he's a Democrat. He's all over the board. Uh, He's got staying power because he's got money and he can buy himself into the presidency uh, if people are foolish enough to follow his lead. What do you think, Harry? Well, I tend to agree with Andy, but it's more than money. Bloomberg has an incredibly large organization and so um, just yesterday, uh, two more members of the Congressional Black Caucus have announced their support for Bloomberg. Uh, and Bloomberg has um, officials uh, virtually in all, fifth, all, st- all of the states that are going to have their primary on Super Tuesday. And I'm not sure uh, Mayor Pete can match that. I'm not sure that uh, Sanders can completely match that. 
So one of the uh, things that we should keep in mind with respect to Bloomberg is that he has put together, put together a formidable organization uh, that is independent of Democratic insiders. Yeah. Interestingly, Joe Biden's comments in South Carolina, and we'll play this as we get ready to close this segment out. Take a listen. You have no idea how great it is to be back in South Carolina. Great to be with you all tonight. All of you be here tonight. I, you know, I hope you, I hope you love me as much as I love you guys. <laughs> that kind of sums it up. I mean, fans, I can see Stan or Monitor. That kind of sums it up for Joe Biden. I think he's done. He's just sad. Well, it's better than being in Iowa or New Hampshire. That's for sure. Yeah, I think he's. I think Joe Biden. I mean, if he wins South Carolina, even if he wins South Carolina, which I think. Sanders has come on pretty strong. I think some others might as well. I don't know. Who knows? We'll, we'll see soon enough. But it looks pretty weak for Joe Biden. I think this thing is quickly going to become a Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Mike Bloomberg race. And unless Klobuchar can somehow catch fire, we'll talk about that coming up in the next half hour of the program. Don't forget, support the work of the ACLJ, ACLJ.org. Back with more in a moment. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights, in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. ACLJ.org. Live from Washington, D.C., Jay Sekulow Live. And now, Chief Counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice, Jay Sekulow. All right, so three candidates in the uh, Democratic primary season are now out. Uh, Andrew Yang, Deval Patrick, and Michael Bennett. We talked about that in the last half hour. Andrew Yang uh, got about 2.8%. The other two barely registered at all. Um Tulsi Gabbard, 3.2. Tom Steyer, 3.6. I'm wondering, as I look at this now, we said this a little bit towards the, the last segment of the broadcast, but I want to, for those that are just picking up this half hour, I'm wondering if this is now really a three-way race and it ends up looking like this. Does it look like a Sanders-Buttigieg-Bloomberg race? I'm not sure Amy Klobuchar has momentum to really compete, can do that kind of fundraising. What do you think, Van? Maybe she can. I don't know. Uh, it's going to have to be now, Jay. She's still under five percent nationally. This would be the momentum for her to pick up steam. I, I still don't see the path, but I'll be I'll be honest with you. The the path uh, the the path difficulties for her are similar to the path difficulties for Mayor Pete. So I agree with you. Bernie Sanders and Mike Bloomberg uh, certainly have the path. Uh, Mayor Pete and and Senator Klobuchar have to try to pick it up. But I will tell you this, Jay. Uh, Vice President Biden, Senator Senator Warren getting out of the race soon, which I think they will. Those would be an awful lot of votes for them to try to pick up. That would be their path. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard said after the New Hampshire primary, as much as they have tried to erase us from this election, we're still strong. She's campaigning right now in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, 
Uh, one of the other things that are coming out of this is Bloomberg is almost 4% ahead of Pete Buttigieg nationally already. What does that tell you, Harry? Well, it tells you that Bloomberg's ad campaign is paying off in a big way. And one of the things that Bloomberg has done smartly, at least in my opinion, is he has not written off uh, red states. Uh, And so you see his ads all over the South. Guess what? There are Democratic voters in those states. There are Democratic uh, delegates in those states. And so what Bloomberg is doing is he is building up support in a ton of states. And guess what? Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden, Amy Klobuchar, they are not yet registering with voters in those states. So I think Bloomberg has a very strong chance of staying in at least uh, until the convention. Uh, I agree with Harry. You know, something I heard Doug Schoen say last night on one of the stations. The Democratic strategist, yeah. The Democratic strategist and the 2020 pollster for Bloomberg is that he's surging ahead uh, in Alabama, blood red Alabama among Democrats. Bloomberg is. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this, I agree with Harry. Uh, there are places where you just wouldn't think that he would be strong, but he is strong. And, and again, money talks. It does, And I agree with the uh, fan, and, and I didn't, uh, didn't mean to contradict you. It doesn't always translate into votes, but uh, many times it does. Yeah, it did not with Jeb Bush, for instance. He, he raised the most in the primary season and uh, and did not do well. Now, here's the question. When is the first test for Bloomberg's Real capability of where he's registering. Where is the first test on that fan? Yeah, it's Super Tuesday, clearly. And by the way, Which is March I am 3rd, always right? in, March 3rd, four days after South Carolina. Jay, he's going to go 0 for 4 in these first four states. He's already conceded that. So, you know, I'm always happy when the esteemed Andy Economo weighs in on something I say. Maybe I need to reevaluate. I don't doubt that Mayor Bloomberg is going to be in this thing for the long haul. He can be in as long as he wants it. But I would just give you one historical antidote. John Kasich stayed in until the very end last time, and it didn't really mean no. a whole lot. So at no. some point, Mayor Bloomberg has to actually get votes, not just spend money. Well, that's the, that's the thing. And if you look at some of the big states, and I don't know if we have polling data yet. Maybe we can get our team to check. On California, if it's recent, uh, do we have Texas yet? Uh, let's, let's get those when we come back from the break, because that'll tell you something. But um, yeah, no question he's spending money. But I do think it looks to me looks like a three-way race, unless Amy Klobuchar can... can can pull this together. I think Warren's pretty much done. I think Biden's done. Steyer just isn't. It's just not happening for Steyer, though he's picking up. I don't think he can compete with Bloomberg. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, again, it kind of reminds me of Andrew Yang. Different policies. Um, war, another one that's a veteran, just not registering within their the Democratic base. Um, so, and, and a lot of people, when we take calls, a lot of people like it was her and Yang. If you say if you're going to vote for a Democrat, those were going to be the two. Collectively, they got 7%. So um, we'll see how it plays out. All right, we'll take your calls when we come back. 1-800-684-3110. Also get your questions in via Facebook. The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now... The ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights, in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. 
We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today, ACLJ.org. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org slash gift. Calls 1-800-684-3110. Let's go to Joanne calling from Ohio. Joanne, welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Hi, Jay. Now, I just kind of am thinking about what happened last night in New Hampshire, and I'm thinking of the impeachment, and I just kind of wanted to get your take on the irony of the fact that we just went through months of impeachment because Trump supposedly went after his political rival, who isn't his political rival. Biden's yeah, out. right. I mean, well... I mean, it's kind of ironic. It, well, a lot of things are irony. 120,000 people came out to vote for President Trump in the New Hampshire primary, which is almost um, almost double the highest before, which was Bill Clinton in 1996. There's an interesting Rasmussen poll. 55% of voters say impeachment made Trump stronger politically. Only 16% said it made him weaker. Um, and then you could, let me take it down another step here. Uh, 23% said no impact. 5% said not sure. Even a plurality of self-described liberals, 48% to 44%, says impeachment made Trump stronger rather than weaker, as did conservatives at 71 to 27, moderates at 60 to 29. Those not sure were split pretty much evenly. What does that tell you, Harry? Well, it, it tells it, it tells me, uh, I think you're precisely correct, that the whole impeachment effort has backfired, and it also tells me that Nancy Pelosi's first instincts with respect to impeachment were dead on. Yeah. Uh, but she allowed herself, um, some might say, to be bullied into this impeachment effort. It was then rushed. Uh, it was one-sided. It was unfair. Uh, it failed to adhere to elementary standards of fairness and due process, uh, and it collapsed, as it should have, on the Senate floor. What is? Yeah, I agree. I think that's exa- exactly right, and and I think it it was a political backfire, which we suspected, and that's what it was. Here's what's interesting: California, big state. Okay, it's a Super Tuesday state. By the way, it was Super Tuesday. You got Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia. You got some big, big states there. So here's what's interesting: right now. In California, Bernie Sanders is a 26. Biden is a 21. I expect Sanders will be going up. Yes. Biden's will be going down. 
Warren is at 19. I suspect and almost 20. I suspect that goes start going to Sanders. Buttigieg is only at 7.3. I think he goes up. Maybe he picks up some of the Biden uh, vote and gets into uh, double digits. Bloomberg is only at 4.3%. So, I mean, Than, how does, how does, I mean, California is a big takeaway state. It's huge, Jay. I mean, I, I agree with your comments on who will go up and who will go down, but those are very good numbers for Senator Sanders. And let me just give some perspective to listeners. There are 416 pledged delegates available out of California. Jay, the current delegate leader, Mayor Pete, has 22 pledged delegates. The yeah. leader has 22 pledged delegates. There are 416 available in California, and Senator Sanders is going to have a big lead after that shakeout you just described takes place. I tell you what, I think March... Third is going to be big. It's interesting. Bloomberg is not polling well in California at all. What do you? How do you read that, Harry and and, and well, Andy? Well, I, I guess in order to fully answer that question, he's I would moderate. have to have some sense of how much he's advertising in California. So, if he's advertising to the same extent in California that he is in other states, and he's still at four percent, he's in trouble. Yeah, I agree with Harry, but I think he's, his advertising is going to considerably increase between now and Super Tuesday, and that lead and and the, and his percentages that, that is low right now is going to increase because I think that he's going to spend a lot of money there. He knows the strategy in California that needs to be implemented, and I think the money that he has is going to do it. I am a great proponent and, and believer that money talks in politics, and it does translate. And at least in Bloomsbury's case, it's going to translate. Uh, because of the the dearth of other candidates into votes, and I think that's going to happen. It's interesting here. If you look at the polling data in Nevada right now, 21% Biden. I think that's going to go down significantly, unless he wins South Carolina. Sanders is nipping at his heels at 17.5. Warren, 11.5. I think that vote starts going to Sanders. Um, And then uh, Stiers at 1%, Buttigieg at 7%. uh, Yang is now out at 4%. His board will be dispersed. Klobuchar at 3%. I mean, I think if you look at Nevada, it looks like to me it's going to be a battle. Now, the question would be, is Bloomberg on that one, Will? No, is he in the on the ballot? Yeah. Debate stage, he has to get one more poll to be over 10% for uh, Bloomberg to be on the debate stage. But the right now, as it stands, it is a Biden-Sanders race, and I suspect Bernie Sanders probably wins it. South Carolina is still overwhelmingly Biden, but... That, I think, is, is well, they already say the, the most recent polling data has already shrunk that gap between Biden and Steyer, interestingly, 25 to 7, 18 uh, for Steyer, 20% to Sanders. I think Sanders is going to gain just because of the momentum factor that he's got. And then uh, California, it's, uh, we've already, we already said how that one's looking. And then Texas, this is interesting, Biden is at 31, that's going to go down. Sanders, 22, that's going to go up. Warren fifteen, that's going to go down. Bloomberg at twelve and a half, that that's at least he's in double digits. Everybody else is in single digits. So, man, I, I am with you know. You could spend a lot of money and still not get the votes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this goes back to the red state conversation that you had a minute ago. I mean, you look at Texas, you think of Texas as a red state. There are 228 Democrat delegates available there, so that's very meaningful. Jay, I would reach back to the conversation about Mike Bloomberg just very quickly. He's not going to compete in Nevada. He's not on the ballot. He's not trying. He's not going to compete 
in South Carolina. It will be interesting to see uh, how many votes he pulls anyway, though he's not competing. And Jay, the other thing that'll be interesting, I saw reporting today that he is expected to get that one more poll he needs to qualify for the Nevada debate stage. I'm not sure he wants to be on that debate stage. Either. I kind of think he wants to get to Super Tuesday and let them cast votes without them actually having to hear directly from him. What do you think? I've, Harry's shaking his head. What do you think, Harry? Well, well I think uh, Than is uh, spot on. I think if you l- listen to recent interviews with Mike Bloomberg, he is s- a close to uh, Joe Biden in his ability to articulate an argument for his candidacy. So there is no real reason to vote for Bloomberg, or at least there's no real reason that he can articulate. And I don't think he's going to make the same uh, types of faux pas uh, that have characterized the Biden campaign, where Joe called uh, a young supporter a dog-faced pony soldier um, uh, and has said some really um, awful things to people that are actually supporting him. I don't think Bloomberg will collapse uh, that far. But I, I'm not necessarily sure that Bloomberg is really up to the rigors of debating. And one of the things that you have to uh, hand to uh, Senator Sanders, yes, he's up in age, but he knows how to debate and he has an argument. He has a reason for his candidacy. Uh, there is no reason to vote for Bloomberg, in my opinion, unless you want to buttress his vanity. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. What do you think on that, Harry? Uh, Andy? That's an interesting statement, about, which he is vain, and for many reasons, and I guess has a reason to, to be vain, having accomplished the enormous financial empire that he has been able to put together. But I agree with Harry entirely. He is not a good debater, but he's not going to make stupid statements like Biden makes. I think he's got his head together. Poor Joe um, has just uh, I think has Joe, lost I think it. Joe Biden's, I think, I mean, unless something happens in... It'd be very interesting to see that. When when is that? That one's coming right up. I mean, South Carolina is in about weeks. ten days. Yeah. Will. February twenty ninth. February twenty ninth. So you're talking uh, two, a little over two weeks. Um. So you know, it's there's a lot still playing here. But I mean, going into the last. By the way, last segment we'll take your calls eight hundred six eight four thirty one ten. Any topic you want to hit is fine with us. In the last segment one eight hundred six eight four three one one zero. So Than, how do you see, how do you see it lining up right now? If you if you were looking at it kind of. How big is South yeah. Carolina for Joe Biden's make it or break it, right? Yeah, it's his last chance, Jay. And look, I would just tell you this. I still think there's going to be a very large, I mean, very significant portion that's going to be an anti-Bernie Sanders vote. The question will be, how soon does that coalesce? It was almost entirely in Vice President Biden's camp, which means it's almost entirely uh, still up for grabs, except for that that's already flown uh, you know, to, to Mayor Pete and maybe some to Senator Klobuchar. The question will be, who will that alternative be? So, you know, you and the guys were talking about some of Mayor Bloomberg's flaws, and I certainly agree with those. Uh, but, Jay, somebody is going to get that support. It will be Senator Sanders against someone. The question will be who can coalesce it. I think, I think Bloomberg's problem is going to be California. I, I just don't think he's going to do well in California. And I'm not, you know, I'm with Harry on this as well. I, I think he does not want to be in debates. Debates are not going to be a net plus for him. So I, I think that's true. And then if, if he gets on the debate stage, he also has to deal with Tom Steyer, who has an outside chance of winning South Carolina? Yeah, although I think I think Bernie's going to come on in South Carolina. I don't think we should underestimate the fact that the momentum factor coming for him, and, and I don't know about Buttigieg, but 
Anyways, all right, we're taking a break. We'll take your calls, 800-684-3110, 1-800-684-3110. Also, don't forget, we've got an email out right now from the ACLJ, aclj.org. That's aclj.org. We'll take your calls and comments when we come back from the break and encourage your support of the ongoing work of the American Center for Law and Justice. You could do that again at aclj.org, aclj.org. A lot more ahead on this last segment. We'll take your calls, get your comments in as well. So if you want to talk to us, 1-800-684-3110 or Facebook or Periscope. We'll be back with more. Your comments. We come back from the break. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org slash gift. The challenges facing Americans are substantial at a time when our values, our freedoms, our constitutional rights are under attack. It's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today, aclj.org. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Jay Secular Live. Jay will be back with us in a moment. We are talking about the Democrat primary and the results that came out of New Hampshire last night. And as I was looking over the numbers during the break, I really I really think that as we head down the line towards Nevada on February 2nd, South Carolina on February 29th, and then Super Tuesday with all of those delegates available on March 3rd, we talked about California and Texas and all of the, the delegates that are there. I really think that Mayor Bloomberg is actually going to be in second place in the delegate count after Super Tuesday. I think Mayor Pete is going to be very close as well. I think it's it's almost a lock that Senator Sanders will be in the lead. And I'll go to Andy on this. Andy, we've talked about during the course of this, this uh, broadcast that one of the questions is going to be, does the alternative to Senator Sanders, is someone able to coalesce that vote? 
in, in order to be that alternative. But Andy, as I look at Super Tuesday, I see Mayor Bloomberg spending millions of dollars in each of these states, and it strikes me that he's going to have a very high floor when it comes to acquiring delegates. And you know, Mayor Pete's probably going to get wiped out in a lot of these states. I think it's quite possible that as we leave Super Tuesday, Mayor Bloomberg's actually in second place. Do you see that possibility? Yes, I do. I agree with you entirely. I think that's going to coalesce ultimately, uh, sort of liquefy, if you will, into a race. I mean, from looking at it from my perspective today, February 12th, 2020, between Sanders and Bloomberg, because I don't think Pete uh, Buttigieg has the staying power. Uh, ultimately, Klobuchar is going to be wiped out. Uh, I don't think she's going to stay. Warren needs to go back to the teepee. Uh, that, that's, that, that, that's a foregone conclusion. And Joe Biden, I don't think, has got a prayer. So I think I agree with your analysis that ultimately it's going to be Sanders and Bloomberg is going to fight this out. And who is the Democratic establishment and the base going to stick with in that contest remains to be seen. Yeah, I agree with that. I'll go to Harry on that. And Harry, just something we talked about just a minute ago. I mean, Joe Biden is right on this front. He says that most of the race is still out ahead and there's certainly an opportunity for him to come back. And if you just look at the numbers, that's certainly true. Mayor Pete currently leads the delegate count with 22 and you need almost 2000 to get the nomination. There are 416 alone available in in California. So if you look at the vice president, who was the clear sort of uh, consensus front runner early on, mathematically he is certainly correct that he certainly that he could still get the nomination uh but harry as you look at south carolina which he has seen as his firewall he is falling like a rock there senator sanders and tom Steyer's are, are rising so at some point harry the vice president actually has to get votes rather than just saying i'm the front runner i'm the guy that can beat the president i think you're precisely correct so joe biden is correct in one thing that lots of delegates are still out there Lots of votes are still out there. Many states have not yet had their primary. But I think Joe Biden will be uh, severely mistaken uh, come February 29th when the votes are actually held in South Carolina. He has seen South Carolina as his firewall. Uh, I believe instead it will be his Waterloo in part because Tom Steyer is creeping up on him. I think Biden's support uh, is going to continue to crater in South Carolina. Steyer has spent virtually all of his time uh, in South Carolina, and he's cultivated the African-American electorate, and I believe they make up between 60 and 65% of the Democratic vote in South Carolina. So uh, I would not be surprised to see Tom Steyer win South Carolina. And then my second choice uh, for an upset would be uh, Senator Sanders. In either case, uh, this means one thing, that Joe Biden's South Carolina strategy is likely to blow up in his face. And that uh, uh, conclusion was reached already by a CNN analyst, uh, Van Johnson, last night yeah i saw that with van johnson i think he's right too i i, I don't see if it doesn't if obviously if he doesn't win it blew up i mean and, and i think it's it's i to me it's more increasingly that it does not let's go ahead and take a call uh nat is calling on Virgi- uh, on line two from virginia you're on the air 
Yeah, I just had a quick question. How is it that an independent gets a run on a Democrat ticket that they don't like and they're not forcing him to be a third-party candidate versus a Democrat? Because he, he signed up, he's, he, he's now calling himself a Democratic Socialist right then, and uh, and he's part of the Democratic establishment. Well, not establishment, yeah, that's right, but the Democratic he caucuses with the Democrats. Yeah, and when he, when he ran for Senate, he wasn't willing to do that. I do think it says an awful lot about the state of the party that the Democrat voters are looking like they're going to nominate someone that's not uh, from their party. But yeah, I mean, if, if, the, if, if he wants to run as a Democrat and Democrat voters want to go to the ballot box and say he is going to represent our party, his history of what he's called himself isn't particularly, well, it's not disqualifying at all, Jay. He can do it. You know, it's interesting, though, to me, uh, Miles Terry said this before we went on the air, and that is this. If Bloomberg were to get the nomination somehow, and Biden is out, and Sanders came in like a really close second, does Bernie say this is nonsense and run as a third-party candidate? Yes. I think that's a clear uh, possibility, and I suspect even if he doesn't run, Somebody uh, will. someone else will, I think there would be strong support among Sanders supporters to turn their attention perhaps back to Jill Stein. Yeah. Uh, who uh, helped uh, cost uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, election in uh, 2016. Susan on Facebook said, will President Obama publicly endorse a candidate Will he stay out of this election cycle? I think when they have a candidate, he will engage. But I, Dan, I don't, I don't get any sense that he's going to endorse, do you? It's pretty telling he didn't uh, didn't endorse the former vice president, his vice president. I think he'll stay out till there's a nominee. Just, just to the last question real quickly, Jay. Um, back to the point about Donald Trump getting 120,000 votes uncontested in New Hampshire. If they're going to run a third-party candidate against that kind of momentum, uh, game's over. Oh, yeah, I think that's right. All right, so let's do this. we got two minutes left. I want everybody to take a couple, a couple of seconds here at least to discuss what happens. Let's take a kind of our own poll. What's going to happen in South Carolina? What's going to happen in Nevada? We'll start with Van. Van, where do you see South Carolina as the likely lineup? So South Carolina, I think Senator Sanders is going to win, Jay. Uh, Harry mentioned Tom Steyer. He's coming on strong. Um, I, Joe Biden's falling like a rock. I really think Senator Sanders' operation there is going to prevail, and he's going to win it. What about Nevada? Uh, Senator Sanders as well. I think he's going to go into Super Tuesday 4-0, having won the, mm-hmm. most, the most votes anyway, Jay, in all four states. Harry? Well, I think Senator Sanders will clearly win Nevada. I think Steyer will pull it out in South Carolina. You think Steyer could pull it out in South Carolina? Yeah. Mm. So what does that mean for his, just for a second here, what, what, what does that mean for his campaign if he does? I don't think it means anything. Yeah. Uh, he's it just is the end of Joe Biden. It's just the end of Joe Biden. Uh, Steyer is a one-issue candidate anyway. It's basically climate change. Yeah. Uh, he's made billions of dollars off of fossil fuels uh, and energy, but now he wants the rest of us uh, to walk to work, I guess. All right. Andy? I think that Sanders will win in Nevada, and I think he'll also, believe it or not, win in South Carolina. That's what I tend to think. I mean, I think I think right now the momentum is going to raise a lot of money between now and then. He's going to have a lot of momentum. Um, the other ones are so far behind in those states. I think that, and by the way, I think that could be the end of Buttigieg. Loses South Carolina, loses Nevada. I, I don't know if he's got the oomph to go forward. So this thing in the next two and a half weeks is going to determine where a lot of this is going. All right, that does it for the broadcast today. ACLJ in court against Planned Parenthood, now at the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. Your support of the ACLJ makes a huge difference. Go to aclj.org. Respond to our emails. If you don't get an email on our email list, you need to. Follow us on Facebook. 
I have a page. Jordan has a page. ACLJ has a page. Then Bennett has a page. So we encourage you to, to, to follow us in that way as well. Also on Instagram and Twitter. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today, ACLJ.org.